Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Happy Halloween, also known historically as All Hallows Eve, which is the eve of All Saints Day coming up on November 1st. We are celebrating today in Halloween what is truly a Catholic holiday, a Catholic holy day in the church, a very highly acknowledged holy day because we are celebrating all of the saints tomorrow. And so Halloween historically in the church known as All Hallows Eve was just like when we have that evening vigil the night before Sunday mass or the night before a major feast day, we start celebrating the feast day the evening before. And so this is part of the tradition of Halloween. I have a whole episode that I did explaining the Catholic roots of Halloween, how to celebrate Halloween, rejecting some of the evil components that celebrate the birthday of witchcraft, which they chose for today as well, but embracing all that is Catholic. Catholic as we celebrate the conquering of Christ in his saints in the church. And so this is this great feast day that we are diving into today. I'll talk a little bit more about what Halloween is. I have had a lot of fun with this this year as I've been doing a lot of research, trying to have a greater understanding of this, of what I want to do as a newer mom with my oldest, just about two and a half, coming up on her third birthday, figuring out how I want to navigate this and what fun, neat traditions can bring to light, not just the fun of life and the joy of dressing up, but even more so tying that into our Catholic faith, the saints, and the teachings of the church. Now, when we talk about All Saints Day, we have to talk about the resurrection. We're also going to talk about things such as memento mori, remembering our death. This is why it's a great day to have skeletons hanging around as we're also coming up on the celebration of All Souls Day on the 2nd of November. We'll discuss that later on, but right now what I want to ponder is the resurrection of the body the resurrection of the dead, and the resurrection of Christ. In fact, I'm turning our gaze to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This entire chapter of Corinthians is dedicated to the theme of the resurrection. It's actually broken up into three sections. First, looking at the historical dimension of the resurrection of Christ. Second, the reality of the resurrection of the dead. And third, the resurrection of the body our bodies, if we so merit to go to heaven. This is a wonderful synthesis looking at what the Catholic Church teaches about the resurrection. Now, I want to first look at the resurrection of Christ. What's really neat is that St. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because we have to remember, come Holy Spirit, every single word of sacred scripture is the inspired word of God, both of human and divine origin, but that human origin is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's God himself. That's why when we pray, when we read with sacred scripture, we always invoke the Holy Spirit first. Now, when I look to the 
chapter 15 in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he starts on the topic of the resurrection of Christ, and he gives a historical account of the resurrection, which is significant because St. Paul's encounter with Jesus Christ is of the risen Lord. And for me, this is part of the reason why it's really neat to read St. Paul's discourse on the resurrection, because he was a man who was persecuting the early church. He was killing early Christians, and then God knocked him off of his horse gave him a massive conversion and just an infusion of him and his grace and knowing Jesus Christ face to face in a vision that completely changed his life on the road to Damascus. If you've never read the story and the journey of St. Paul, I highly encourage you to do so. But what St. Paul does in this 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is he actually begins with a historical account for Christ. He says, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared. Here's a historical part. We read in 1 Corinthians 15. St. Paul says, Jesus appeared to Cephas, that's St. Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Then he goes on to share that last of all, he appeared to himself. Now, all these other people that St. Paul is talking about Jesus appearing to, Jesus appeared to them during those 40 days on earth after the resurrection, before the ascension, where he walked on the earth, who he was literally, I mean, I don't know what other words sometimes use, but he blew the minds of his apostles, of his disciples, of people who literally looked at Jesus, touched his hands, looked at his wounds and his side and his feet. And we're mesmerized by the fact that you could not deny that this was the risen Lord. And this is why St. Paul talks about this from a historical perspective, referencing all of the people by name that he knows Jesus appeared to, but then also the many others whom Jesus also appeared to, who some of whom are even dead already at this time, and many of whom he shares, most of whom, St. Paul says, are still alive. So go talk to them because they saw the risen Lord. And so he's chronicling the resurrection of Christ as a historical event before he dives into the theology. Now, the theology is significant because when he turns to look at the theology of it, he first starts with the resurrection of the dead. He says, if Christ has not been raised, that's St. Paul saying this about the resurrection. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Why am I talking about this today on Halloween, also known as All Hallows' Eve, which is a Catholic feast day ushering in All Saints' Day? Well, it's important because we're talking about the triumph of the saints who were resurrected by the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we want to talk about the resurrection, if we want to talk about the saints, we have to look at the resurrection of the dead. This is why St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So what he's saying is we're basically liars. He goes on to say at one point, if we don't believe in and acknowledge the resurrection of Christ, everything is futile. There's no point. Why? Because Christ's crucifixion and death is what conquers our sin. Christ's death makes an expiation for our sins, an atonement for our sins. Christ makes our wrongs right. Now you and I, just like the saints whom we're celebrating in All Saints Day and who All Hallows Eve ushers in 
Halloween ushers in this great feast day, because it was such a major event in the Catholic Church, this is what we're looking at. The fact that by the saints' cooperation and also our cooperation with Christ's grace, with the grace of God, his redemptive action of the redemption of souls, the salvation of souls is possible. And that's what we celebrate. Even St. Paul in Romans chapter 6 talks about how we're dead to sin, but alive in Christ. We need to be so dead to sin that we wouldn't even fathom sinning because we are so in conformity and in union with Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the vine of Christ. This is what the saints ultimately by the end of their lives were able to do because the saints were not these perfect people who were always perfect. Some of them were. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, they had immense grace. But many of the saints who have walked before us were significant, horrific sinners. So this is where I think today, as we celebrate Halloween and usher in tomorrow, All Saints Day, that we need to change our view and see that life comes through death and that this earthly life is not what it's all about. And so when we take on the costumes and the decorations and we go to church, I really hope you go to church, not just on a holy day of obligation of All Saints Day, but also on All Souls Day, we put into context for ourselves and our loved ones who we may be responsible for for forming the significance of the liturgical rhythm of the church, pointing our hearts, our minds, our bodies and souls to the resurrection of Christ the resurrection of the dead, and that in death comes life. I think, for example, of St. Therese of Lisieux. Many have a wonderful devotion to her. St. Therese of Lisieux wanted her parents to die. There's even a story where she runs up to her parents, it's said, as a little girl, and she says, oh, mommy, oh, daddy, oh, how I wish you would die. Along those lines, the story goes, and at first, one of the parents is a little astonished, but then they go on to acknowledge, actually, no, Therese understands that life with Christ comes through death. Now, did she know how poignant this would be in her own life as her own mother, who's also a saint, St. Louis is her father, and St. Zaley Martin is her mother. Zaley died at the young age of 46 of breast cancer. But what's profound is that her family live so close to the heart of Christ, to adoring our Lord in proper theological formation, that their family, their testimony, their greatest suffering of losing their mother, Therese was just a few years old, their greatest suffering was a mark of Christ conquering death. It was a mark of the witness of hope. And St. Zaley is a great patron saint as we're talking about saints coming to All Saints Day tomorrow of someone to turn to in intercession. If you're a wife, if you're struggling with your wife for husbands to pray to for your wife, for wives to pray to for inspiration, to read the writings, the letters of Louis and Zaley to one another. They're very beautiful. It's a great saint to pray to for intercession in marriage. If you're worrisome about your health or someone else's health, about cancer, turn to St. Zaley. Her story of her, St. Louis, and her children, especially St. Therese, again, is a witness of the resurrection of the dead. That is through death that we have life. Now, I think it's important that 
we see how this contrasts with the current culture we're living in. A culture where suicide is the norm. People look at suicide as a way out of life, a way out of suffering. And it's important that we die well. This is why the great tradition of the church turns to St. Joseph, who again we celebrate on All Saints Day. We pray to St. Joseph for a good death. Some even pray to him for an easy death, but ultimately to pray for the death that Jesus, the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph are there intervening. And ultimately Jesus is taking the dead up into heaven. Now, Suicide is the contrast of this idea of life-giving, self-giving love, that we live a life to the end of sacrificial love as Christ did. Suicide is the antithesis. It's saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. Life is too hard. Life is hard. But that is part of the Christ, uh, part of the cross that Christ beckons us to embrace. This is why all of the New Testament, especially if we look to the works of St. Peter and St. James and St. John in the New Testament, they talk about how our faith needs to be refined, that it needs to be purged, it needs to go through suffering and various trials for a little while so that we may prove our faith and prove worthy to be with Christ in the resurrection. And so as we look today on this great, great opportunity of Halloween, marked as a Catholic holiday formerly known as All Hallows' Eve, ushering in the eve before this feast day of All Saints' Day, ponder your death. Ponder the resurrection. We're actually going to talk about a great theme in the church of what's known as memento mori, that is, remember your death, or also rem- interpreted as remember to die, to die to self daily, but to die a good death, to die with Christ. Now, in the section of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, as we're talking about the resurrection, so relevant to Halloween. This is why we dress up, because we are dressing up what used to be historically in the costumes of the saints to mark and be inspired by their faith that went before us in the conquering of Christ in their lives. We read in 1 Corinthians 15 on this great, great chapter on the resurrection. I hope you'll read it. St. Paul says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, the worldly perspective clouds the purpose of life. Adam picked up the forbidden fruit. He's a representative of every single one of us who also sin as Adam himself did. What is the forbidden fruit in your life? And how do we conquer that through the grace of Christ, eradicating sin and temptation from our life so that Christ may reign in us as he did in the saints? What's holding you back from life in Christ? I challenge you, let this great feast day of All Saints Day that we start celebrating on Halloween be a mark and a reminder for you, a touching stone to live a sacramental life, to live in a state of grace, bare minimum going to confession at least once a month. And if you are struggling with something, even if it's repetitive venial sin, but absolutely if it's mortal sin, you go right away. You make that appointment now and go. Do not deny yourself the kingdom of heaven because you could die at any moment in mortal sin. If you were in a state of mortal sin, go to confession. Fight for your eternal soul and body. And then frequently receive our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. Receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord because we are transformed by His grace. 
It's interesting because a lot of people talk about transhumanism, extending life, taking all these things to live a better life. Some people think that veganism does that. I don't get that. Some people think that other diets or, or certain pills can do it. People think vaccines are important to the status of your life. There's so many things, even cryogenically freezing your body. Everything we do often is for the sake of preserving ourselves. We, whether it be that we fear death or that we want to live forever, often we're trying to play God in society today. But when we live a humble sacramental life, we see that God himself is the one who conquers death, who conquers suffering, who conquers sin, who conquers misery. Conform your life to Christ and overcome death. The next section of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first letter in chapter 15, moves from, again, first starting with a historical account of Jesus Christ's resurrection, then to the importance of the resurrection of the dead. He then ties it into the resurrection of the body, reminding us we have a body and a soul. We read the holy inspired word of God in 1 Corinthians 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead that is so what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It goes on to say, it is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. So what he's saying is understand, look at your members. Look right now. I'm looking at my hands, I'm looking down at my feet, my arms. You feel maybe your aches and pains and discomfort, or maybe you feel more energetic today. I don't know. Today I actually need coffee. I'm feeling a little more perky ever since I had some. Through the grace of Christ, we have to recognize that we have a body and soul and that he's calling us to not just fortify the body, but to fortify the soul. This is why we read in the inspired word of God, 1 Corinthians 15, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. That is what you and I do perishes. But what is raised, what is elevated, what is given over to Christ is imperishable. He goes on to say, it is sown a physical body. That's what our bodies are. They're physical bodies. We tend to just reduce our bodies to the physical dimension. Sometimes we reject our bodies and try to say we're more, more spirit. Sometimes we overemphasize love of our bodies and forget the spirit, the soul. This is why St. Paul says, it is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. He's saying both matter, but don't forget the soul. We're called to embrace body and soul. This is why we're also called, the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about this, to embrace our identity as male or female, whatever that great gift is that God gave you. Your gift is your maleness, your body, your spirit, your soul, as is your femaleness if you're a woman. And even if there's discontinuity, disorientation, all of us experience this to some extent in our maleness or femaleness. Seek to embrace that God-given identity as the saints before us have fought to do as well. Let God accomplish his work in you. This is why the resurrection of the body is a key part of understanding the resurrection. That God glorifies our body in all perfection. That if we may dislike or be uncomfortable with our bodies at the end of time, when all our bodies are raised and reunited with our souls in heaven, there will be the perfection 
the peace and joy that we so deeply long for on earth, but that we're not meant to fully experience on earth apart from God's grace. Even St. Paul knows this keenly. There was some thorn in his flesh that he speaks of that led him to suffer. His body would do the very things he didn't want it to do. He fought to unite body and soul, as many, especially young people, struggle today in our modern culture with this gender ideology, this LGBTQ push to embrace and rediscover the truth about their bodies and themselves. But the problem is, is that the secular culture, from psychology to even bad theology, to the medical community, to parents who don't know what to do when their kids come to them with this crisis, that if they do not chase God, and embracing themselves, they will fall prey to the damaging, damaging things that are being done, mutilating, damaging permanently young children's bodies. We read, coming back to the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 with St. Paul, here today on Halloween, remembering the life of the saints before us, that St. Paul says, thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus Christ is the new Adam. Adam became a living being by the power of God. He was given life by God. Life on this earth. But Christ is who we're called to conform ourselves to. Christ, the new Adam, the perfection of what it means to be a human person, became, as St. Paul in the inspired word of God says, he became a life-giving spirit. We are called to imitate Christ. In our baptism, we're called to become little Christ. We're called to go through what in theology refers to as cruciform, that we're being crucified and molded into Christ. Another word is Christosis. We're becoming like Christ. Christology is one of the key areas of theology in the church because it calls us into understanding our journey into Christ, with Christ, to the kingdom of heaven. This is part of the reason why as Catholics, I remember my friends who were Protestant, I did a lot of pro-life work with friends who were Protestant in high school and coming out of high school. And they used to always mock me as we'd pray. I was always making the sign of the cross. And they say, oh, what? Knock, knock. Are you asking if God's there? I say, no. It's a reminder of our baptism. It's a reminder of the triumph of Christ and his cross. It's invoking the words of God, our Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's also, remember, when we mark ourselves with that cross, it's a reminder to enter into that cruciform love, that Christosis, that pouring out of self that Christ showed us, that when we sign ourselves with the cross, we remember, I am made for life-giving, self-giving love. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that when we make the sign of the cross. Lord, help me to remember to live out that call to life-giving, self-giving love as you yourself did. That's the resurrection of the body. And I hope as we celebrate Halloween today, we take back this Catholic holiday, enjoying all the fun moments I talked, and I'll post a link to it here in the episode notes about jack-o'-lanterns and the Catholic take on that and how Catholic Irish immigrants brought this legend to the United States, this whole theme of not messing with Satan. I'll share it with you in the episode notes as well as on social media. But please make sure you join me tomorrow on All Saints Day. Be sure to go to Mass as we discuss the life and works of St. Alphonsus Liguori and Pope St. John Paul II. 
Our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. I'll be right back on Halloween, happy Halloween, to talk about the great tradition in the church of many of our saints. They actually carried skulls around with them called Memento Mori. Remember your death or remember to die because death is fundamental to the teaching of the church. I'll be right back. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Happy Halloween. All Saints Day is tomorrow, and we're bringing back a listener favorite, Great Stories About Great Saints. We'll examine the extraordinary lives and legacies of the great saints of the Catholic Church. I'll look to St. Alphonsus Liguori, who this saint did everything from keeping a skull in front of him regularly to reminding us of our death, turning our eyes to the infant Jesus, and the real need in our lives, so relevant today as it was at the time of St. Alphonsus Liguori, to remember the importance of penances to prepare us to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Learn more about saints you know and love and saints who might be brand new to you. Great stories about great saints, all saints day, all day long, here on Relevant Radio. See the entire list of saints we'll talk about and when at RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app. Happy Halloween, also known formally as All Hallows Eve, which is a Catholic holiday. Did you actually know? Here's a fun fact. In the history of the church, it used to be before a major Saints Day feast day, such as All Saints Day. It's one of the biggest ones of the year, and it's one that we are required, by the way, to go to Mass for. The day before a major feast day or solemnity, such as All Saints Day, the church fasted. That's the whole idea of the fast before the feast. I love this tradition. It's one that I would love to start incorporating into my faith uh, as it's lost all of kind of those markers in our liturgical year that we used to put a little more emphasis on mortification and penances. We sometimes, so I know it's Halloween, you might be going to a party, but think of ways to make little sacrifices or even think ahead as we come to various other saints days. So here we are on Halloween. It's actually a Catholic holiday because just like we have the vigil of a Sunday Mass on Saturday evening. We usher in a Saint's Day or a Solemnity or various types of feast days the evening before. And so All Hallows Eve was that marker of us entering into, on Halloween, All Saints Day. And so we're celebrating the triumph of Christ and His saints. I actually have tons of content that we've been diving into from the topic of witchcraft, crystals, energy, how Satanism and some of the celebrations of witchcraft tries to usurp Halloween. So be sure to check that out. I'm linking to all of those episodes in the show notes for today's show, as well as on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, or you can catch this podcast wherever you listen to subscribe there. But the Relevant Radio app is really the best place to go because it's a one-stop shop for everything from all the episodes of Trending to fantastic prayers. Some of which, by the way, I recommended they be on there. A favorite of mine is actually the Lorca of St. Patrick. I know it's not St. Patrick's feast day today. However, St. Patrick confronted much of the occult 
the witchcraft wizardry at that time as he faced the Druids. And so even the Lorica, also known as the Breastplate of St. Patrick, is a very relevant prayer for us to pray today, as we might like to think that witchcraft and all of that is just make-believe and something fun we read about. It's actually something we shouldn't even dabble in, but recognize the reality of the battle between good and evil, and the importance of Christ triumphing over what is evil. So today, a really neat celebration that I want to turn to is Memento Mori. It's a pondering in the history of the church to remember your death, or also known as remember to die. And we'll really look at how this can be incorporated into our daily lives. You may be somewhat familiar with this. In fact, there's a whole history of the church and the church's artwork looking to the saints where we have skulls, skulls of saint after saint, or should I say school, a saint picture after saint picture with skulls in it. Now, not all saints walked around with a skull like a ball and chain, but many saints would keep them on their desks or the saints are celebrated actually in artwork, even if a skull, a real human skull wasn't something they kept in front of them with them or on their desk or in their main home and dwelling. But the skull is a representation of the saint's wisdom, the saint's wisdom and prudence and remembering their death and keeping their priorities straight. So my hope is, as we're here celebrating Halloween marked by much to do with everything that is spooky, deadly, and hopefully saintly because that's what this traditionally has been a marker of, of Christ triumphing in his saints over all that is evil. Remember we read in 1 Peter in the New Testament where St. Peter says, be sober and alert. The devil, your opponent, the devil is prowling about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. So resist him by being solid in your faith. Notice that note of being sober and alert. Be aware. Don't do anything that can dull your faith, dull the reality to the battle between principalities and powers. And so this is why the theme of Memento Mori has been very important to me. I'll never forget a friend of mine many years ago when I was in graduate school introduced me to the writing and works and the person of St. Alphonsus Liguori. He's a doctor of the church and he is an incredible moral theologian, but my favorite of all his works is a book known as Preparation for Death. I highly recommend this book. I'll link to it on social media as well as the show notes. But St. Alphonsus Liguori, along with other saints such as St. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, St. Teresa of Avila, along with St. Francis and others, actually would keep with them, often sometimes even on their person, a real human skull. Why? Because they wanted to remember to die. They wanted to remember their death to keep life in perspective. Now, it's actually kind of funny. My husband even has, it's not a real human skull, don't worry, but one that you could pick up online somewhere. And it's something that for a little while he had out in our living room not long after we got married. He said, can we just put this away. I get it. I love preparation for death. I love St. Alphonse Ligori, but it's not something I necessarily want to decorate with unless, hey, it's Halloween time. So in fact, maybe I'll pull out the skull and I can talk to my two and a half year old a little bit about death with it. That'll be a fun one this Halloween. So maybe that'll be something I'll pick up this evening as we're 
enjoying this Halloween celebration. And I'll share with you, if you're wondering what I chose for costumes for my kids, I'll share a little bit about that with you later. But right now, I want to look to the work of St. Alphonsus Liguori. He's one of my favorite saints. We're actually going to dive into his life tomorrow here on All Saints Day on Trending, along with Pope St. John Paul II's life. But St. Alphonsus Liguori, in his book, Preparation for Death, gives us a real punch in the gut at the very beginning. The whole book is written where he basically, he was a lawyer. He's very legalistic, very organized in his approach. He starts with sacred scripture. He then gives a couple of key points and then he gives uh, the opportunity for prayers and affection. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to change about our lives based on what we've just learned? And so how he starts his book is this portrait of a man who has recently passed into the other world. St. Alphonsus says, consider that thou art dust and to dust thou shalt return. The day will come when you shall die and rot in a grave where worms shall be thy covering, as Isaiah says in chapter 14. St. Alphonsus goes on, he says, The same fate awaits all high and low, the prince and the peasant. As soon as the soul shall have left the body with the last gasp, it will go into eternity, and the body will return to dust. The psalmist in Psalm 103 says, Thou shalt take away their breath, and they shall return to their dust. So in other words, what St. Alphonse Liguori is pointing us to is realize we're all going to die. We all meet the same fate, whether you're famous, you're royal, you're rich, you're poor, you're male, you're female, all of us meet the same fate. And in fact, as Isaiah says, the prophet Isaiah, worms shall be thy covering. You can't escape it. We all face this reality. St. Alphonse then goes on, and I hope you ponder this mental picture as we ponder all things spooky. Let's think about the real spooky this Halloween. He says, picture to yourself a person who has recently expired. Behold that corpse lying on the bed, the head fallen off the chest, the hair disordered and bathed in the sweat of death, the eyes sunken, the cheeks hollow, the face of an ashy hue, the tongue and the lips the color of lead, the body cold and heavy. The beholder grows pale, and trembles. This is how St. Alphonse Liguorius begins the book Preparation for Death. And it's startling. I'll never forget the first time I read it. It was a wake-up call, to say the least. But St. Alphonse Liguori goes into deep theology, not just a meditation upon death. He says, formerly this person was renowned for his talents, his elegance, his graceful manner, and his wit. But no sooner is he dead than he is forgotten. As the psalmist says in Psalm 9, their memory hath perished with a noise. St. Alphonsus then, after continuing on the reflection, turns to the opportunity for affections and prayer. How will we turn to God based on this meditation on death and the reality of death? Again, this theme in the church of memento mori, remember your deaths or remember to die. A great wisdom of the saints, why the saints in art are depicted with skulls with them. It's wisdom to remember to keep your priorities straight. So in the prayers, you know, Flanders Ligorian pondering death then prays, How many years have passed since I deserve to be in hell? Had I died on such a day or on such a night, what would have become of me for all eternity? He goes on, I will no longer resist thy calls. Who knows but these words which I have just read are thy last call to me? I acknowledge, God, that I do not deserve mercy. Thou hast pardoned me so often, and I have again ungratefully offended thee. 
St. Alphonsus the Gorge reminds us these could be the very last words we ever hear, we ever read before we die. What if we die at a time when we really do merit hell based on the fact that we are living in a state of mortal sin? Praise God we didn't die on such a day. Is that today? I hope you'll go to confession and rapidly. Preparation for death toward the end of the book, some of my favorite reflections include a turn to hell. As we grow closer to the end of the liturgical year and the beginning of the Advent season, we'll talk much of the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell. But in looking at hell, St. Alphonsus Liguori turns our attention. He says that St. Thomas acknowledged that often we don't pay enough attention to the fact that in hell you're eternally tormented. So when talking about hell, St. Alphonsus points out in many ways, will the conscience gnaw the heart of the reprobate? But the three most grievous things will be, that is for the person who's in hell, those three most grievous things, he says, will be to reflect upon the trifles for which they have lost their souls. Second, the little they were required to do to be saved. And finally, the great good they have lost. He then goes on to say, and what will the 50 or 60 years they have lived on this earth appear to those who are in hell when they find themselves in the abyss of eternity in which after a hundred or a thousand millions of years, their eternity will still be only the beginning? And does the sinner perchance who lives without God always enjoy himself in his sins? How long do the pleasures of sin last? They last a few moments and all the rest of the time of that man who lives at variance with God is a time of pain and bitterness. Now, what will these moments of pleasure appear to the poor lost soul? So St. Alphonsus Liguori has turned our gaze to the reality of hell, the reality of suffering, that eternal separation. In fact, he cites St. Augustine saying that he who sins with the intention of re repenting afterward, is not a repentant, but a mocker of God. That's why we're going to come back today on Trending, diving more deeply into the topic of preparing ourselves for our death, the great tradition of the church, and embracing everything from the skeletons and the bones. And even I'll share with you about a unique church in Rome and even how in art <laughs> the Smithsonian has even featured this spooky adaptation of the Catholic Church and embracing the reality of death through the decoration with skulls. I'll be right back here on Trending. Memento Mori, that is, remember your death, remember to die. We mark Halloween ushering in the great feast day of all saints. To become a saint means that we die. We die with Christ. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Happy Halloween. We've been talking all things Halloween the last few weeks. Be sure to check out my episode on how Halloween's actually a Catholic holiday, a holy day, All Hallows' Eve, which marks the ushering in of All Saints' Day. Enough about that because we've talked a lot about it. We are talking about the great theme in the church of Memento Mori. If you don't know what this is, it means remember your death. 
or also known as Remember to Die. In the artwork of the saints for years, we've seen they're often depicted with a human skull. Why is that? Well, some of them actually literally did carry around with them or have in their dwelling in a commonly seen place a skull as a reminder of mortality, death, and judgment. But often the depiction of a saint with a skull is a marker of the fact that they had their priorities straight that they were wise and prudent to remember their death. And one of those saints whose story, life, and works will unpack tomorrow and trending on All Saints Day is St. Alphonsus Liguori. I've been walking through his great book, Preparation for Death, one of my favorite all-time books. You'll hear me mention it over and over again. I'm linking to it in the episode notes. It has short reflections and prayers that you can take for not just a nibble to get your priorities straight and your faith in order, but there's a lot there. and. In his book, he talks about hell. He says the principal torment and which will constitute hell will be the pain of loss, that is, the pain of having lost God. See, St. Alphonsus Liguori puts before our eyes the reality of hell and how we need to take this into consideration. Memento mori, when it comes to our day-to-day, moment-to-moment actions. Remember to die, to die to self, to die to the world, so that we can die for God, to be with him. Because this life here on earth is, isn't what it's all about. And that's what Halloween is. It's a remember that we celebrate Christ triumphing in his saints. We celebrate the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of Christ, life in heaven with him. And so I hope that if you miss the beginning of today's show, you'll go and listen to this episode where we talk all about the resurrection and entrance into heaven. Now, St. Alphonsus Liguori cites St. Augustine in his work. He notes that St. Augustine says that he who sins with the intention of repenting afterward is not a repentant, but a mocker of God. St. Alphonsus Liguori then goes on to say, on the other hand, the apostle, that is St. Paul, tells us that God will not be mocked. He says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. St. Alphonsus Liguori says it would be mocking God to offend him as we please and when we please and then expect heaven. You see, it's easy even for someone who maybe grew up with faith or who believes in God but maybe hasn't done the soul searching yet or the academic research to come into union with his church. It's common that people say, well, I'll just do the faith stuff later on in my life. I'll just enjoy life now and get things get things affair in order, get my affairs in order later on. That is getting their soul right with God. But St. Alphonsus Liguori says, to obtain eternal salvation, the soul must be found at the last judgment, having led a life conformable to the life of Jesus Christ. Do you know when your last judgment is? Do you know when you'll die? Have you been living a life that has led you to conform to Jesus Christ? That's not easy. Jesus Christ is perfect. His saints are perfected by Christ himself, by the grace of Christ. They were sinners. If those sinners had to live a life in accordance and in conformity with Jesus, we too need Christ to work on us because we take time to come into union with him. So I've seen Alphonse Liguori actually talks quite a bit in his work about how deathbed conversions really aren't that common. And be warned, sometimes I think we all ponder, well, this is what will happen. By the grace of the church, there's immense grace that can occur to usher us into heaven. But will you have your life in order enough to call upon a priest? Will you have enough time to make that final confession, to receive anointing the sick and last rites? Or will someone you know 
know you well enough to recognize your faith. For them to have the n- enough faith for you to chase down a priest. It's something I've always admired about my mom, that she always fights, even for people she hardly even knows, that when they're sick, when they're approaching their death, when they're on their deathbed, that she'll do everything she can to assist the family, especially when they're not Catholic or fallen away Catholic, to find a priest to come and intervene to bring God's graces, to help God willing in ushering that soul into heaven, to help that soul make right with God and to be infused with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ upon his or her death. Memento mori, remember your death, remember to die. Now, this great tradition of the church goes very far back. In fact, one of the highlights for many people when they go to Rome is a church I have never been to. I found out about it a few weeks after I spent about a month in Rome in college. It's known as Santa Maria, Our Lady of the Conception of the Capuchins. Now, if you look at pictures, and I'm going to post pictures, just find the link on social media to this church. I'll post on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. This church, I cannot wait to one day see it because I think that sitting there and seeing the decorations of this church, listen, it is peppered in skulls, in skeletons, in relics, in bones. And it's a reminder of death. It's a reminder of those who've gone before us in faith. It's a reminder that none of us can avoid death. As St. Alphonsus Liguori says, we read earlier a meditation of how all people, rich, famous, royal, peasant, male, female, end up in the grave with worms through their bodies. The lead tongue, the lips, the colors change, the lifelessness of the body. Give any person's body a handful of hours, 24 hours, and you have to open a window for the stench of the body to go away, to make it tolerable to be in the room. The body begins to decay. This is what every single one of us see in our future. But that future is necessary for life in Christ. And so we shouldn't be afraid of death. We need to reclaim it. And I think this is part of what we can do in celebrating marking Halloween. The ushering in of All Saints Day. Although the culture has turned Halloween into everything spooky, historically, Halloween has always been All Hallows' Eve, the ushering in of All Saints Day, a Catholic holiday. Rejection of too Catholic of a holiday from the Protestants, and then the usurping of Halloween by witchcraft, celebrating the birthday of witchcraft, we talked about that yesterday on Trending, has pulled away from the reality that we're meant to be pondering our death but celebrating Christ, celebrating Christ conquering death in the lives and stories of the saints who we mark and celebrate tomorrow. There's a really neat article I came across. I can't tell you how accurate all of the pieces are when they try to touch on theology, but there are a lot of really neat elements to the history and the findings and photos in it. It's a Smithsonian feature in their magazine in the history section, and it's titled, Meet the Fantastically Bejeweled Skeletons of Catholicism's Forgotten Martyrs. And it goes on to depict how in many churches, churches, especially throughout Europe, throughout the East, where if you pull up some floorboards or look to a side altar, there are often skeletons hidden here, there, and in fact, everywhere. 
not just one or two, but even 10 and more skeletons all throughout the churches. Now, less favorable in terms of the type of decorations we might use. There used to be a time in the church, even after the Protestant Revolution, especially in places such as Southern Germany, where it was a battleground when it came to Protestantism. And even the skull was a reminder of the reality of death, of conformity to Christ, the need for his sacraments, the need for grace. It was interesting because it used to be that even religious orders and various churches would come together just trying to pool their money so that they could afford to adopt and bring a martyr to their church. That is the bones, the decaying bones of a martyr into their church. Now, what happened, what was interesting when the Smithsonian did this article is they were pointing to how in many of these churches, when they were pulling back the floorboards or opening up the walls, there would be not just skeletons, but skeletons that were bedecked in jewels and crowns. Why? Because it was a marker of the glory of the resurrection of Christ and his saints, and that it is through death that we have life. I know it's rather dark to think about, but I think it's important, and this is something that's important to me in raising my children, and it's something that I saw in my upbringing, to not be afraid of death, to embrace death as a means of entrance into life, to see how important it is to die well to remember death, to pray for the dead. There are a lot of spooky things from movies to decorations that people like to embrace. Perhaps we think about the reality of what would happen if we were eternally separated from God. How about this Halloween or maybe on All Souls Day, we take an annual visit to a cemetery and talk about the reality of dying, that all of us end up in the grave. Talk about the glory of the resurrection of the body that we will all one day, if we so merit heaven, endure and enjoy. I think there's much to be enjoyed and celebrated and marked with Halloween, to have fun and enjoy it, doing away with all things that are evil and witchcraft that try to usurp Halloween, but embracing the spooky reality of death, not as a means to terrify, but as a means to startle and inspire faith. Tomorrow is All Saints Day. This is why Halloween, historically, has always been known as All Hallows' Eve. We're ushering in this great feast day. Now, All Saints Day, tomorrow, we're bringing back a great listener favorite, great stories about great saints. We'll examine the extraordinary lives and legacies of the great saints of the Catholic Church. You may love him too. I'll be discussing Pope St. John Paul II. He was instrumental and has been and continues to be in my own life. We just celebrated his feast day. Learn more about saints you know and love, saints who might be brand new to you. Great stories about great saints, all saints day, all day long. See the entire list of saints we're talking about and when at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Here on Relevant Radio, we are celebrating the right way. We're celebrating liturgically and diving into the incredible stories of our saints, of the holy men and women who have walked before us. So join us for All Saints Day for a great celebration. And remember, it's a holy day of obligation. So what do we do when we celebrate as Catholics? We go to Mass to have a feast. And I hope you'll prepare a feast as well. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.